This is a very different episode. In each of the episodes in season one, you'll see me asking the guests about overcoming rejection. I wanted to wrap up this season by having a very vulnerable and deep discussion about humanness and mental health around overcoming rejection. While rejection is a very common experience among entrepreneurs, this conversation will apply not only in your personal life, but also as you move forward on your professional journey. What better expert can we have on the show to talk about rejection than a recovered addict? I wanted to take my time with this topic, so instead of one episode, I broke it into two. I hope you enjoy the unique perspectives shared in these episodes. That's what's unhealthy when you shut down. Just because someone shuts you down doesn't mean everyone's going to shut you down. The rejection means just because one person rejected you, the next person may reject you or accept you. So you cannot keep making that false assumption. Welcome to Making It to Market, the podcast where we discuss everything about taking your product or service idea through to commercialization. I'm your host, Dahlia Collada. Today's guest is a grateful, recovered, compulsive gambler and alcoholic. He has been sober from alcohol for over 25 years and has gone more than 22 years without gambling. He's also been through seven years of therapy and is now a motivational speaker, author, podcaster, and recovery coach, talking about recovery, healing, emotional intelligence, and life. You'll find him speaking at recovery centers, middle and high schools, universities, and corporations. Our guest has taken the principles of the 12 steps of recovery and turned them into the 12 steps of living your best life. He says we have the power inside us to become better versions of ourselves, where contentment is the goal. Today's guest also has a podcast called Life is Wonderful, and you can find his content, books, resources, and workshops at lifeiswonderful.love. Hugo V, welcome to the show. Ah, thank you. It's always fun to jump on uh, another person's podcast instead of being the host, being the interviewee. <laughs> what was your last uh, episode for your podcast? What did you talk about? My last episode was actually the end of season one. It was my 30th episode. I was talking about grief. So what was your biggest takeaway on grief? Well, number one is, is that there is no timetable on grief. Each person processes grief differently. And we just have to kind of be there, whether it's a loved one, a friend, it's very abusive to tell someone just get over it or yes. how you should not cry anymore or talk about it. And a person process, it depends on where their emotional intelligence is or depending on how close that person or even pet was to you. Yeah, I think, uh, I think we take emotions for granted and I think society's kind of made a lot of those feelings and expressions taboo to where you can't really feel like you can be yourselves. And, and if you want to express feelings of grief, you have to do it behind closed doors. But the problem is, is mental health issues are exploding and are increasing at such high rates that 
It's up to each person to deal. Society is not going to take care of our feelings, but each person can take care of their own. You can do the emotional work. Yeah, absolutely. Well, Hugo, is there a correlation between addiction and rejection? Yeah, there's a lot of a correlation because a lot of times people end up crossing the line or going further into some type of addiction because they're either trying to escape their feelings because of may, something may have happened earlier in life. Because like all addictions and emotional disease, so something could have happened that was very traumatic. Could be big trauma, could be little trauma, or it could be some type of issue that you just dealt with within your own family or within your own school. And so a lot of times we may use some type, whether it's alcohol, whether it's pills, whether it's drugs, whether it's gambling, sex, food, any of those things we can use as a way to kind of calm us down is almost like our coping mechanism, exactly. but it's really not a healthy way to cope with whatever you're feeling. Mm -hmm. So yeah, so rejection. So then, then when you do have those rejections, you know, people will run to something to just almost numb out and numbing out is a way to deal with rejection. So if we go back to the business side, we're all going to get rejected in some form or fashion within business, not just sales or just people you're trying to work with. People just don't even see how it's going to work. And it's really, you know, not on them. It's on you, on us to how to deal with some type of rejection. But the, the key thing is, is we get so focused on the rejection, we don't realize is that two things are probably at play with rejection. Number one, maybe it was our own delivery. Maybe it was our own way to present whatever facts or project or item that we're trying to sell. And another thing is, is, is that one thing is their own delivery. And the other thing is, is each person has their own point of view. Mm -hmm. And that just because they have a point of view, the person next door or down the street or another part of the country, they will see the value. We get so focused on the no, then we're not focused on the, the next potential yes. Mm -hmm. I think too, if you're setting yourself up for success by talking to the right person and having the right thing for that person, you have a least chance of being rejected. But regardless, you don't know what the outcome is going to be. You don't know how that person's going to react. I, you know, everyone knows the only thing you can control is yourself and how you react. But how does someone learn? Like, what are some of the skills you need to learn to, to uh, know how to handle rejection? What do you need to have in place? Well, number one, you've got to know yourself better. You've got to be able to self-soothe. Mm -hmm. What I mean by self-soothe is, is that no matter what comes up, it may not even be rejection. Maybe something just angers you. Maybe something saddens you. Maybe something frustrates you. And it just could be a simple thing like within the within your office. I mean, we've all had certain things like you're either battling with your computer or you're <laughs> battling with your printer. Right. <laughs> you just can get so irritated because nothing's going yes. right. And the thing is, is we have to know what kind of brings us calm, what brings us peace. I mean, I can tell you for me, 
I love going to the gym. I love reading a book. I love certain songs within my playlist. There's certain song music is a great uh, healer. We all, every person has songs that they go to to make them kind of calm down or they can just sing because they know all the lyrics. Other forms is I'm big on prayer. I know some other people are big on like yoga, meditation. Some other things are, you know, or just like cooking a meal or going for a run. You know, there's countless things that uh, can get you. But the thing that we try to avoid is, oh, so that's the number one thing. You got to know yourself. So we know that you're going to get rejected. So it's not a question of, am I going to get rejected? You will get rejected. It could be in love. It could be in a big business deal. It could be in a small business deal. The thing is, is that some days we're better equipped and we just kind of go through it. We pick up the phone, call the next person, or you, you go and do send off the next email or you do the next video. Other days it's a little harder. So you can take a two minute, five minute break, you know, kind of like recenter yourself, you know, when people say, and then know what your go-tos are instead of going, oh, I got to later on the, tonight, I'm going to have to have a few drinks or I'm going to have to, you know, go do something that's not as healthy for us. So that's, that's the main thing is, is you have to start to know yourself. And that's why you got to do that. Start doing that emotional work. Absolutely. And so how would you describe the, what's the definition of rejection? To me, the, it's not so much a, a definition as it is, is how, how do you, how does your body take it? How does your body feel? You know, sometimes it feels like someone is punching you. Someone, sometimes it might feel like someone's like, like pushing you off a cliff. Sometimes it could be just something as minor as someone like pinching you and it's not a really big deal. I think we have our own definitions of rejection, but I think if we can keep coming back to how rejection makes us feel, and then also remind in the same context as you're feeling the rejection, having some type of image of, oh, I know I'm loved by so, so-and-so, or I'm low, I know I'm loved by my pet. I know that someone else is validating me, accepting me, listening to me, supports me. So one person's opinion of me cannot mm -hmm. devastate me. Well, there might be the person that says, hey, nobody likes me. This doesn't, nothing I do works. I feel like I'm feeling at everything. Oh, how do you, how do, what is your advice for someone who feels like that or thinks like that? Uh, well, you, you need help. Uh, you have to recognize is that no matter if you have a lot of friends and connections or you feel like you have nobody, we all need help. So that's the first thing to recognize is no matter, even if you're on top, that doesn't mean you're going to stay on top. Oh, yeah. if you're at the bottom, you're not going to stay at the bottom, but then you have to really take an honest evaluation of yourself and saying, okay, what can I do better in terms of inner work, 
outer work, like, you know, how do, you know, how do you feel about either whether the, how you present yourself to the world? You know, I think a lot of people want other people to like them, but no one, no one's going to like you until you start liking, loving yourself. And that's what I'm saying. So if you really feel like no one's against you, I would seriously therapy therapy worked for me. I felt, you know, when I was really depressed, therapy really worked when I was at rock bottom. Uh, and then I went to different groups and I ended up going to recovery groups because I had addictions and there I felt accepted. I was not getting that acceptance from family or friends. So sometimes the stranger that you do not know can kind of propel you into a better frame of work. And then sometimes it's what we say to ourselves internally each day. You know, we do, we can do a lot of self-negative talk, self-hate talk, self-negative talk, and, you know, read books on, you know, how to be better friends, you know, but essentially the best way to be a better friend is, you know, then, you know, to know yourself better and to treat other people, you know, with respect. Absolutely. Wow. So what, how, okay. How do I prepare myself for rejection? I'm going into a meeting and I'm going to present an idea and it's a big project and it's at least it's a big project for me. Okay. It might not be for other people, but for me, it means a lot. And it, it means that I've accomplished something as a personal goal. How do I prevent or prepare for that feeling of rejection, that pain in my stomach, that my chest hurting and it's the sweating. How do I prevent that feeling? Well, you got to, Preparation is the key thing. No matter whatever you're doing, you've got to prepare. And if you prepare enough, you will still fail. But if you work hard and prepare each and every day, let's say you're giving a presentation, you cannot just say your presentation or speech one or two times. You're going to have to say it probably 20, 25 times, depends on how long it is or how important it is to your job, your business, you know, and you got to get feedback. You have to get like speech coaches, you know, there's other way or people that kind of listen. How does this come across? Same thing as if you're developing some type of plan project, you know, you get feedback. And I think the more you open yourself up, you have a little more vulnerability you get that feedback, you make necessary changes, the higher likelihood that you will succeed. You know, a lot of people will talk about if you take it into the sports world, how hard Michael Jordan or Kobe Bryant worked every single day. And even then they still missed game winning shots. They experienced failure, rejection, you know, like, oh, you blew it. But the, the idea is, is you come back. I mean, part of it is perseverance, knowing that even if you fail, that there is another day. Yeah. And maybe even looking at the positive things and not focusing on the negative things that make you feel rejected, like looking at the wins that the small wins, man, I was prepared. I should celebrate that. I, I looked professional. I sounded professional. I should celebrate that instead of having that, like you said, the negative self-talk and kind of playing it all over in my head and finding the nitpicky things to be, you know, ugly to myself about. 
I have to think about the things that I did well and celebrate that. And then look at all those opportunities as a learning, obviously a learning experience. What could I have done differently? And then take that and apply it the next time. And again, you might be rejected again, but then that's another opportunity to look at the successes that you had in that experience and then uh, readapt. What do you think? Yeah, exactly. There's, if you keep getting up each day and moving forward, you will find success at some level. Mm -hmm. uh, and then you just got to find out, you know, okay, this is right. Sometimes you may need a little more training or some other skills. You know, you're not going to get it. Uh, there's plenty of people who've had a successful business, but they had failed businesses prior. Right, exactly. Uh, just because they went bankrupt doesn't <laughs> mean that their next business won't generate millions. That's a good point. But, you know, it depends on your minds. You know, we, there is not almost any successful person that hasn't success in terms of talk about career or business that hasn't experienced failure. So we all have it. Mm -hmm. especially we just got to keep kind of bouncing back and then we also got to keep work you know working nothing nothing will take the place of hard work or to you know really prepare yourself you know for success mm -hmm. yeah i think you have to be accountable too and not blame others i think there might be some element of that in feeling rejected because if you take accountability then maybe and owning that then maybe you could move forward from that as a learning experience rather than putting off all of those failures onto someone else and projecting. What do you think about projection versus being accountable for feelings? Well, uh, projection is sometimes a way to almost take you out of your current situation. You know, you want to project that everything is going to fall into place and it may or may not. That's why a lot of people do cost benefit analysis. You know, you got to see, okay, what is the strength of it? What is the weaknesses of it? You have to be really, you know, observant and, you know, not project, you know, that I mean, it's good to have forecasts, but if you've actually done the research, if you've done and you've kind of checked it out and you've done certain steps, certain forecasts, you know, will pan out. I mean, if you see, look at most, a lot of times that you'll see like sales forecasts and it looks like a straight line that it's going to year <laughs> one starts here at zero and it's going <laughs> to yeah. straight up. Right. But that never exists in the real world. Mm -hmm. Uh, there is no such thing as a straight line sales that you were going <laughs> to grow 10%, 20% the next year, 30, and you're constantly going up and there's not going to be a, look at a stock market, look at any ticker take, you know, it's even ones that have made a lot of money in the last couple of years, like Tesla or Amazon, there's still days where they went down. Yeah, I think that's a I think that's a true statement. We all have to accept that not everything's going to stay at the bottom. Not everything's going to stay at the top. There's highs and lows. Nobody knows this better than an entrepreneur. I can tell you that it's a, it's a hard life. That's for sure. Right. Can you tell me what emotional intelligence is? To me, emotional intelligence means is how aware are you with all your feelings? And being comfortable with expressing your feelings in a way 
that is just clear to the other person is, is we, it's easy for people to say, I am happy. I feel joy. I feel happy. I feel excited. But a lot of people have trouble saying, I feel hurt. Uh, I feel depressed. Uh, I feel sad. And then be able to take it, you know, a step further and saying, you know, this is what's kind of going on. Mm-hmm. You know, sometimes it's something internal, something that could have happened to you that you then have to kind of deal with it. You just got to be just comfortable. And I, I think instead of utilizing words that don't express feelings, if you want emotional intelligence, if someone actually asks the question, how do you feel? You do not say I am good. You do not say I am fine. And you do not say I'm okay. Because all three things, good, fine, and okay, are not feelings. Hmm. Okay. They, 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 they show that, you know, you're not, not that you're not in touch with your feelings. Maybe you just don't want to express it. But I always try to frame it. Anything is is like practice. The more you practice something, the better you get, you better at, you get at it. So if someone asks me how I'm feeling, I'll say, okay, you know, I feel happy. I feel mad. I feel angry. I feel depressed, you know? And if they follow up, okay, why do you feel that way? Then, I, then I'll say it. Because really, it's just a question. It's just asking how you feeling or how do you feel? Most people really don't want to know how you're feeling. They feel, almost feel it's a form of courtesy. Mm-hmm. I've got to ask you, how are you feeling? And some people uh, don't want to answer either because they don't want to share their uh spill their guts and it might be the wrong person or but it's not spilling your guts if someone asks you how you feel it's okay to say i feel depressed that doesn't mean you're going into detail that just means you're just stating how you feel at that moment an hour from now you can feel (laughs) excited you can feel satisfied you know there's there's that just means is how you're feeling at that moment. Maybe you feel depressed that someone asked you how you're feeling. <laughs> <laughs> how does emotional intelligence and rejection go together? Well, I think the more you understand your own feelings, you realize is that rejection is a feeling. I feel rejected. Not that they rejected me. See, the more you actually understand emotions, you realize it's not an attack on you. Okay. So a person doesn't have to feel like, oh, they're making some type of statement about me. They are just rejecting whatever I proposed. Like I said before, now we find rejection. Oh, so if I said, do you want to go out? And you say no. Okay, you're just saying no to a date. You're not saying Oh, you're a horrible human being. <laughs> if I say, hey, do you want to buy my course? You say, no, you're not saying that the course is overpriced. You're not saying that the course has no value. All you're saying is no, whatever your reasons are, that's up to you. If you want to, if I want to push you or you want to disclose that you're just saying, it. so I feel, I will feel rejected on a proposal a personal proposal, a business proposal. And like we said before, emotional intelligence helps us understand that it, it is just a fleeting emotion. We can't let, we can't let one rejection then ruin our day. 
Right. But it's a good point you're making that the rejection is not on the person and everything about that person, it's on the subject that that person is talking about or presenting or something. And that's when they say the expression of, it's not personal, it's just business. Right. Yeah. <laughs> it could be, right. Yeah. And, you know, we, we don't, you don't know where people are in mm-hmm. terms of, you know, if they have the capacity to buy something. But in a lot of ways, sometimes it's on us because we haven't presented the value. If we actually showcase that people don't buy based on price, whether something is too much or too little, people will justify, rationalize in their brains. This, I I spent this amount of money because I saw the value. Mm -hmm. The thing could be $5 and you may say that's not worth $5, but you may see something for $500. You'll say, well, that's worth $500. It's actually worth more. I'm actually getting a deal. <laughs> I'm with Hugo V of lifeiswonderful.love. Stick around till after the break as he'll discuss what to look for in a support system. We'll be right back. It reminds me of uh, the toilet paper situation during COVID and how there was no toilet paper and you would spend you know, $7 for a roll if you really needed it. That's the value of that toilet paper. Whereas now you'd probably just spend 50 cents and that's, you wouldn't want to spend more than 50 cents, you know? But I think, I think it's a very good point to, for people to understand that emotional intelligence is about the self-awareness of, of your feelings of the situation, the self-awareness that you can only control how you react. And if somebody is impulsive or reactive on the other side, that doesn't mean it's you. It's really about them and how they're handling their own emotions as well. You might interact with somebody who has low emotional intelligence. Right. But that, that doesn't necessarily mean you have to respond to that level as well. So how do you, res- how if someone is feeling rejected based off of your opinion of saying no to them for whatever the reason is, if they are taking it as a personal attack, what do you do in that case? If you're the one in their eyes doing the rejecting? You cannot take another person's feelings and then try to make them feel better. You can ask questions as, look, if you want, if you're trying to explain something as saying, you know, this is why I rejected the proposal or the idea of going out. Um, and you're not responsible for other people's feelings. You know, you know, a lot of people, you know, think that you have to take care of them. It's not my job. You're an adult especially and now we're dealing with children and that's a separate situation. But in, if we're dealing with anybody, especially over the age of 21, we're not, well, let's take out the 18 to 21 year olds. If you're over 21, you're an adult. And if you do not have the emotional intelligence, well, you can be like me. I didn't start learning about emotions till I was 30. I was still emotionally immature. I was still very insecure throughout my 20s. I didn't learn it at home. I did not learn it in school. I did not learn it at the university. And I did not learn it when I started working. Mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. I learned when I actually picked up the phone and made an appointment with a therapist. I learned when I got around certain support groups that I actually were comfortable talking about emotions. I was never in an, any environment or group that knew something about it. And then later on, I actually then went and bought books. And so I started reading, researching, learning. I started changing my vocabulary, understanding the difference between a feeling or an idea. Mm. So yeah, it's up to each person to take care of this. The same thing is, is like, no one ultimately is going to take care of your health. You're going to have to know what to eat, what not to eat, whether you exercise, not exercise, how much sleep you get, how much water you drink, you know, how, what, what are the people around you? Do you feel supported? And the same thing with no one's going to ultimately take care of your finances. Uh, you know, up to a point, you know, you, maybe you're lucky and you have someone that gives you money, but there's no guarantee in that. Mm-hmm. So ultimately we're responsible for our emotional uh, health, yes. our financial health, our physical health, and our mental health. If someone, let's just say it's someone's of a culture um, who believes seeing a therapist is taboo, how, how does one approach the therapy? Is that something that they might self-learn, like you said, through books? Or what would be your advice to somebody who's intimidated by the whole idea of it? Well, just ask him, what type of life do you want to live? I mean, do you want to live in a life of fear or do you want to live in a life of not being able to express yourself because a specific culture or a specific religion may frown on this and have ideas? Essentially, you're allowing some other group or other person to tell you how to live your life. Now, we all want to be a part of something, and that is the beauty of being a part of a family, part of a group, a religion, a culture, because there feels some type of connection, and mm-hmm. we all want to feel connected. I mean, that's part of being human. Right, yeah. But realize is that any organization, they may give you 80 90% of good information, but they may be giving you 10% information that has no value to you and it's a your responsibility it's your life uh you can just keep saying look this is your life there is nothing that would be detrimental to other people if you learn how to feel more that's not a that's not going to go against them or their ideas you're just trying to understand yourself better. And if someone doesn't want you to understand yourself better, then I would label that as someone either as simple as not listening to you or something as catastrophic as someone abusing you because you're not allowed to grow. That, that doesn't, that doesn't sound like a fair environment or an environment of growth or yeah. You can actually live your life. Sounds like uh, the person would have to make a decision. They have to make a decision whether to live in the taboo or to actually think about their self-care. But I think sometimes it's a lot of people want to frame it as an either or. It's just you can see it as it is and just say, 
but either at first, you know, you would do a certain amount of work on your own without actually telling anybody if you already know what their answer is going to be. Mm-hmm. And then mm-hmm. almost let them see the changes in you. And then they may actually ask, well, what's different? You don't seem to react a certain way. You seem to have a certain outlook on life. And so I think it's uh, up to each person then to kind of know their environments and then slowly get the strength. And then that's the thing is, is once they have more strength is, is then they tend to either frame the questions or answers in a different way where the, they feel more empowered. You earlier in the very beginning, you mentioned the words that people say, like the, don't ever say things like stop crying or that's enough. You've already, already said what you wanted to, you wanted to say, you've already cried for five days. Okay. That's enough already. How, what are some other expressions that people tell people who might be grieving or going through some stressful, you know, existential crisis? Well, sometimes it's their body language, you know, the rolling of the eyes or that big sigh or not this again, you know, saying statements like, Oh, this again. Oh, why are you bringing that back up? Um, the person brings something back up because it's still inside them and they need to keep processing it. And so sometimes, yeah, so people will say things that will feel like they're not listening. And I think a lot of times is if you already feel not listened to or not supported the first time, you're less likely to be really open and you will actually go to other people or not or not go to anyone they might just kind of crumble down well but see that but that but that's what's unhealthy when you shut down just because someone shuts you down doesn't mean everyone's going to shut you down that's what i was trying to say before and a rejection means just because one person rejected you the next person may reject you or accept you so you cannot keep making that false assumption that because one person doesn't listen and this person's family that how is this other person going to uh, pay attention or feel supported that's up to each and that's what i'm talking about that goes back to the emotional intelligence if you start shutting down then you're not going to get what you need and you got to keep fighting for yourself. Like I keep saying, this is ultimately you got to fight for yourself and realize. And I think the key thing is, is just because one person rejects you, stop assuming that the next person's going to reject you. That's mindset. Mm-hmm. Assuming that rejections everywhere or the world is just full of pain. The world is suffering. Life is suffering. I mean, we hear a lot of these things and life is suffering. Life is pain. Life's hard work, but life's also wonderful. <laughs> life is wonderful. <laughs> I know that. What do you do when you feel like you've got your support? You you have what you think is your support mechanism really not supporting you. And you what do you say to them when they say cut it out or that's enough of that? 
what do you say? Do you even say anything or you just say, okay, thank you. And then go find someone who can really support you. Well, you can always do certain things if you really want to kind of get under their skin and say, you know, saying, uh, I got it. You know, like saying is, is, uh, I found someone else or I have another avenue or vehicle to, to deal with what I'm dealing with. Um, or, you know, to me is, is, it's okay to confront people, you know, in not such an aggressive way to say, look, I came to you the first time. This obviously made you uncomfortable. And then of course, then they say, no, 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 this didn't make me uncomfortable. They, you know, people go get defensive. And then you just look, you, did, you obviously didn't want to listen. And I realized I just needed to find someone else. And I found someone else. I found a couple other people. So even though we're related or we're in a relationship or we're best friends is I'm going to do certain things with you, but there's other people in my circle that I'm going to go to for, for whatever other reasons I do. Cause that's what I'm saying. Sometimes we talk to other people around, you know, money. Sometimes we talk about other people about business and that can all vary. Interesting perspective especially if you are coming from a conservative culture and that's not the way you were raised, you know, you don't tell other people your business sort of thing. It's a very, uh, like it goes back to the whole taboo thing, but, um, that's a really, a really nice idea to say, Hey, you know, I, I need that support and you can't offer it to me and that's okay. That's okay. Um, but I do need to go find, find it over here. No. So what are the 12 steps of living your best life? What does that, what does that even involve? Well, it kind of first involves from how I ended up kind of changing my own life is, is I had to do something different when you kind of hit rock bottom within addictions. And so I went into the 12 steps of recovery. I went into therapy. I went into this searching on what would my life kind of be? What can, what can it entail? How can things get better? How can I stop feeling like every day is a struggle or I seem to be fighting with myself. I seem to be fighting with a lot of people. I seem to be depressed. And so through the uh, 12 steps of recovery therapy, and then just doing a lot of reading and doing a lot of writing and you know talking and going to retreats and doing all kinds of things it just kind of came to a point that you know once you start doing the work like saying this is you start doing work things start to happen and that almost then kind of perpetuates and you get to get more excited about doing more emotional work a lot of people just kind of already get overwhelmed to doing emotional work so then that kind of just went into me rewriting the 12 steps of recovery to do something kind of different, to get more people excited about recovery or therapy or anything emotional or spiritual, instead of feeling that, you know, we have to solve all this ourselves. So I just kind of rewrote the 12 steps, rewrote, did a course in a book, the 12 steps explained. And then I also kind of just veered on to going into like a talk for sales or business and just doing other, you can utilize 12 steps uh, in a lot of different ways. There's, uh, and just on, and trying to change your 
overall outlook. Some of it is internal, some of it's external and you just do certain work. You know, mm-hmm. you got to answer questions. You got to, you know, do certain amount of introspection. You got to do certain amount of action. And through all that, you tend to then to change your life and live the life that you want. There isn't one way. You got to be very, allow people to just define it for themselves. Are you living the life that you want, Hugo? Yeah, currently it's taken me a long time. Uh-huh. <laughs> you know, the the beauty of waking up and trying different things, because in the beginning, all I wanted to do was stop addictions back when I turned 30. And I was just stopped drinking. I was going to still gamble. Did that for three more years. And then I realized, well, I got to stop, not only stop drinking, I got to stop gambling. Then from there, really about 33 is when I started to look at things as, okay, now I got to really put in the work. And then, you know, just like anything, just like sales, just like anything, there's ups and downs where you feel like, you know, you're making a lot of progress internally. Mm -hmm. And then you go through even relationships, uh, certain things like within business, you know, all, all the things that entails life, you know, when you deal with, you know, people or pets dying, you got to deal with that. You got to deal with customers changing. And then no, it takes a, and it almost now it gets to the point where it's still an everyday, I mean, it's an everyday thing. I mean, you still have an opportunity each day to just have a, to do what you need to do today. Right. Yeah. It could be just working. It could be vacation. It could just be just a, a day that you spend with people that really excite you. But yeah, finally got into relationships and businesses that I care about. I, that, is that something that's critical for getting through the 12 steps is to find something that has meaning for you? Does that help? Is that a motivator? Well, I can tell you. So the very first question in the whole course is, is how do you envision your life? You should be asking yourself this, this, this one question doesn't develop. It's almost sometimes you got to start with the end. This doesn't mean this. Understand that that question, I did not ask the question, what is your purpose or why are you here on earth is what type of life do you want? Do you want to live? And I think sometimes people get caught up. Oh, I'd rather be single or I'd rather be in a relationship. Okay. That's where I would kind of start. And realizing both can bring you so much joy. I can tell you when I'm in a relationship, that's wonderful. When I've been single, that's wonderful. And there's been times when I've been in a relationship and it's felt miserable. And there's times where I was alone and I felt miserable. But a lot of that's that emotional intelligence. But to me, is you got to start with the end and then kind of like what type of life do you want? You know, some people like to kind of, are more structured, like to do certain things on a day-to-day. Other people like to kind of move around a little bit more, like travel a little more, do or more open to different restaurants or hobbies. Uh, Other people, you know, feel like they they need to do the same thing, almost kind of like repetitive. It calms them down. So that's, you know, the number one thing is, is to find out what type of life do you want? You know, some people are really focused, you know, when they turn like 25, I want to have a family. Family can be defined in so many ways. 
a lot of people think that family means they have to get married and they have to have one or two or more kids and they have to have one or two pets. Hmm. Um, and that, that works for a lot of, that works for uh, a big chunk of our population. Mm-hmm. There's other people that want, want to define family in a different way or their life. But as I said, so the first thing you got to understand is, is what do you like? I mean, to me is, is I like having two businesses. I like having a girlfriend. I like having, I have two cats. You know, I have certain things that fulfill me. But besides that, I got a lot of excellent friends. Yes. Yeah. Uh, and I have a lot of other groups that I am involved with. Um, like I do YouTube videos. And there's a group here in Houston, VidHou. And it's just a YouTubers group that meet once a month. You know, just kind of go over the different things about YouTube. You know, something five years ago, I was, I only did YouTube two years ago, but five years ago, I would have said, oh, you know, why would I want to do that? (laughs) And so, you know, you kind of want to live the life that you want to do. I like making videos. I like doing podcasts. I like going on podcasts. I like writing more. Uh, You know, certain things kind of change. You got to, you know, live the life that you want. And you, that's where you would first start. I mean, you got to first just kind of start defining your life. And I think once you start defining your life, then you find your purpose. See, a lot of people do it backwards. They want to, I have to know my purpose. I have to know. Well, sometimes the purpose doesn't come to you automatically. Yeah. Sometimes you just got to kind of go through and try almost like trial and error, do certain things. That's so true. And, you know, it's okay not to know your purpose at the age of 20 or, right. 30. <laughs> or even 40 sometimes. Yeah. I didn't learn really my purpose until I was over 50. Mm-hmm. You, know, and, you know, I don't know why that's, uh, we feel almost this societal pressure yeah. to have answers or be in relationships now or start families now. And it's almost like the, like governments have kind of conditioned people, you know, get up, go to school, go to college, get a job, get a good paying job, work, work, work. Work some more. <laughs> yeah. To learn more about Hugo, check him out at lifeiswonderful.love or to learn more about his course that's available for purchase, check out the link in the show notes. The 12 Steps Explained course is now available. People can recover faster, work the steps quicker, and gain emotional intelligence. Well, thank you so much, Hugo, for being a part of the podcast today. I really do appreciate your insight. I appreciate it. As always, I hope you enjoyed today's show. If you did, please subscribe to Making It to Market wherever you listen to podcasts or listen from our website, makingittomarket.com. Thank you for your honest five-star rating and review on your favorite podcast app. And a special thanks to our show sponsors and listeners. Without your support, I would not be able to do this. As you know, Making It to Market is a new show and I need your help to get the word out. Please share your favorite episodes. You don't want to miss the next one where we talk with Hugo V once again. If there's a topic you'd like to hear, have a question, or even a comment you'd like for me or today's guest to address, feel free to leave me a voice message on our podcast phone line. And if we air your question or comment in an upcoming episode, we'll send you a free Making It to Market t-shirt or mug. Details are in the show notes. Till the next time, make decisions that make a difference.